0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: Bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, everything from NFL and bowl season to eSports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, Bet online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BLEAV, that's believe, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. <laughs> Alright guys, really quick before we start, I just want to say that it's January, and that means U.S. Figure Skating's Nationals are coming up. The 2023 U.S. Championships will be held in San Jose, California from January 23rd to the 29th. I'm pumped to have Nationals return to my hometown, and I'll be at the arena cheering on the athletes and running around with various media jobs and high-performance camp activities all week. I would love to see you there, so if you're on the fence of attending, just send it. We've really got so much talent on the come up and some fantastic skaters to see live. If you see me around the arena, please come say hi. I love chatting with you guys and hearing what you guys think about all the events. I will be podcasting live from the arena, so I'm so excited to be there in person once again. There are single event tickets available, all session tickets, and championship event free skate packages as well. Just head to www.usfigureskating.org for more information on the event. And get your tickets now. Hello,
2: everyone. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Paulina Edmonds. And today on the show, I'm so excited to bring on this special guest. She is the 2022 Olympic bronze medalist in ice dance, Madison Hubble. (laughs) Hi, Maddie. Hi, Hi, (laughs) Paulina. All right. I'm definitely stoked to have your voice on the podcast today and just get to talk about ice dance with you, um, which I'm really excited about because obviously not an ice dancer. So whenever I get ice dance guests on, um, a lot of insight that I can't really build off of from a technical standpoint, but there's a lot of just, you know, common experiences in the skating world in general. So with that being said, uh, when did you first start skating and
1: how did you get into it? I got started when I was five years old and, um, unlike a lot of skaters, like my, my family had no ties to skating. I just, um, saw skaters on TV and specifically, um, fell in love with Christy Yamaguchi and just begged my parents to do it. And they didn't know anything about it. Luckily we had a a local rink, but, um, they didn't think I was old enough to start at five. So they kind of, appeased my my begging by taking me to the arena thinking that they would basically turn me away and say wait a few more years at least and of course as we all know they were like five-year-old who wants to skate get on the ice that's amazing
2: so you started really young at five years old um that's awesome that you were inspired by christy at that age already and then your parents decided to send it Wow. Well, you started, you started ice dance specifically with your brother, correct?
1: I had one partner before my brother. Okay. I was, um, you know, like a lot of times in ice shows, when you're a kid, I got partnered up to skate with a, a boy who's funny enough. His last name was also Donahue. So Nick Donahue. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, and um, we skated together for the ice show and then his mother asked my mother if we should start testing some dances and we kind of started dabbling our feet into what ice dance could be, but we were not meant to be and um, he shortly after our partnership actually left skating altogether, so I was left with no partner and I had kind of fallen in love with the idea the social aspect that's for sure of skating with another person instead of alone. So, um, my parents actually bribed my brother to skate with me for one year. Wow. To some exposure, you know, like try and find another partner. And then at the end of the year, they gave him the option to walk away or keep going. And he also liked the ice dance better than freestyle. So, um, we stuck together for 11 years. Wow, that is so cool! At what age did you
2: start doing ice dance specifically, and um, not singles?
1: It's hard to remember because I don't really remember starting. I was young enough that I think I probably started testing dances around eight or nine, and then those first like year and a half, two years, I was with Nick Donahue and or partnerless, and then my brother and I started to be really like training dance. I think it was in. Uh, when I was like ten, so like two thousand one ish, and um, right away knew like we were very lucky to have our local rink in Lansing. They kind of said like we're not specialists; we don't have any really great coaches for ice dance, but we've heard great things about um the coaches in Ann Arbor, and they have a new uh team, Yasa and Yuri who are young and ready to start an ice dance school, and so. We started going to Ann Arbor every day for training um, when I was about 10 years old. Wow. Committed. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, aren't all skating parents committed? I mean, so many times it's like, I woke up at five every morning and my mom sat in the freezing cold ice rink. like Totally. At least until you're like out of high school, I feel like it's most, most of the time it's like 50-50 the parents effort. Oh, absolutely. Uh, that's why I always
2: tell everyone I know that if my kid does sports, I'm going to be so hands off because I don't want to wake up at 5am anymore and do all those things. Of course, once I'm a parent, that'll be a different story. I'm sure I'll be. Motivated, but <laughs> as of now, I'm saying no, that won't be me. It can be my husband down the line. <laughs> So your brother and you were quite successful. Uh, You guys were like junior champions and um, did your senior debut together and everything. Uh, So what was the reasoning behind your brother stopping and then um, you meeting Zach essentially after?
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, I think Kiefer and I had really great training and and we worked um, incredibly well together. We're both, you know very friendly we weren't like a typical brother or sister who fought so juvenile we won nationals then intermediate we won nationals novice we were second junior we started doing really well we entered senior so it was like we were doing quite well and at some point as the stakes got higher we got older I think um the pressure started getting to Kiefer a little bit first of all uh, he is such a empath and such like I he's just this biggest heart that you've ever met and where I would kind of come alive at the idea of like going out and beating someone and being the competitor he was always the one that was like well everybody else is so much better than I am and he would get so stressed that almost all of the competitions he was dealing with some sort of self-induced stomach flu no no yeah. He had a really hard time with the anxiety portion and we just didn't, I mean, I don't think that many people in the early two thousands, mid two thousands were like really into mental training, at least in our circle. Yeah. But like the extent of our mental training at that point was like, anytime you're falling asleep, visualize your program. That was like, as far as it went. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we didn't really have the tools to kind of get through those competition nerves. And then all the rules were changing in ice dance and it was becoming a lot more acrobatic. And it was at the beginning of that kind of transition, people didn't know how to navigate a partnership where people were closer to the same size. Luckily now people have kind of figured that out. We've had a lot of years to, you know, explore all the different pros and cons of being different size to your partner. And, um, we just started trying a lot of acrobatic lifts. We had a few concussions, a few injuries and, and Kiefer's body wasn't holding up to all of the, the, the things, all the demands of it. And so at some point I think he was just like, I'm tired. I don't see an it. <laughs> I, I'm nervous every time we go to competition. I just really don't think I enjoy this. Um, I yeah. he he wanted to keep going. Right. So I think he just He was looking out for my best interest and then I was convinced I would never find another partner ever because I'm a drama queen like most ice dancers or figure skaters in general maybe. And I think I was, you know, I didn't even have time to make an ice partner search, which is not to my credit. It's just the universe coming together with some luck that um, by the time I was kind of processing the fact that my brother was going to quit, Zachary returned back to our training arena in Detroit and asked the coaches if he could return and come back to take lessons with them. And they just threw us on the ice together. Like, well, two single skaters, let's see what they look like. So no formal tryout request. No, like, and and in fact, we didn't, I didn't want to try out with them because I, we, you know, we were competitors. (laughs) Keeper and I with Piper. And then we trained side by side for a bit. And I, we did not particularly like each other. We didn't get along. We were not, we were never friendly. So I was just like, you're going to make me skate with Zach. I miss Kiefer, but he's really good. As I think, you know, people kind of figured out over time. And that first exercise, I just remember being like, I don't want to like it, but he's really good at skating.
2: (laughs) That's so awesome. Wow. Well, you and Zach were together for a long time because you started in 2011 together. And then basically a decade later, you won an Olympic medal together, which is so crazy at your second Olympics together, too. So clearly there was a dynamic between you two that worked that made you want to stay together that long, which I also feel like can be unique in partnerships um, because we we do see a lot of teams switch partners at some point. Um, because of personality clashes more than um like physical skating ability. Um so what do you think was the recipe for you two specifically to stay together and especially since upon meeting him, you were already already like, oh god, this guy.
1: <laughs> oh gosh, this guy. Um I think that you know, like we have a few different factors. You know, as much as I was like, oh God, this guy, we did end up dating for almost two years. You know, we had some, um, chemistry, you know, I remember my mom all, all through my life. She said like the opposite of like, it's not dislike it's indifference. So I've never felt indifferent towards Zach. I've liked him in moments. I've loved him all the time. And I also dislike him sometimes. <laughs> We are very different we are combative at moments um but we've always had like a chemistry and a a energetic pull towards each other so I think that played a factor of course in in wanting to skate together because neither one of us denied that we enjoyed going out on the ice and we enjoyed the feeling that we had skating with each other more in many in many ways more than anybody we'd ever skated with right like I I love skating with Kiefer now I skate and I choreograph with Adrian my fiance but like Zach and I was like I think we were skating soulmates in the way of like our power matched each other our intensity matched each other he's the only person that I felt like I could like skate completely abandoned and I knew he would be there to catch me so that was like a a really enticing thing I never wanted to walk away from it. And then we're just, like, really obsessed with skating and in in unhealthy way, I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> where, like, we would be on the ice. Like, maybe we weren't always being productive. But of other teams that we've been next to, that if they're having a bad day or they're arguing and they say, okay, we, we need to call it today. We're not getting something done. We're going to leave. We would stick it out because we just, like, wanted to be on the ice. So um, at the end, I think we just always had that like backup trust that the other person loved it enough that they would never leave
2: that's incredible I really like that skating soulmates yeah it makes a lot of sense um because you guys are so great together but it's crazy that you guys dated and broke up but didn't break up your skating partnership I feel like that's so unique and that's also the number one thing that most people who don't know anything about skating watch and they're like either this pair team or this ice dance team are dating or like, what are they doing? And everyone's like, no, typically you don't date each other because what happens if you break up? Yeah. And you guys stay together. How was that dynamic?
1: (sighs) Difficult (laughs) at times, difficult at times. I think, you know, like, like most people who date in their early twenties, there's a lot of miscommunication and jealousy and taunting. (laughs) And like, I mean, yeah, we weren't dating for a lot of it, but at the same time, were we that friendly with the people that we were dating? Not always. So there was um, definitely some kind of protective ownership quality that we had to get over after, after dating. But we both kind of recognized that we were really young, that we were attracted to each other in some way, but fundamentally like our our values, our core, like our core beliefs are very different. Um, our views on the world and religion and all of these things are so different and we're both so opinionated that it became pretty clear right away that like it wasn't our long-term soulmate. And I think both Zach and I have, you know, a very big affinity towards like serious relationships and we weren't much either one of us for like any casual dating. So it became pretty apparent, like we weren't going to be ending up together and getting married. So why would we draw it out? But we also knew that we loved skating together. Like there wasn't, again, like it it just goes to the point where Neither one of us, I don't think, ever questioned that breaking up would break up our partnership. And it was never a meeting. It was never like the coaches freaking out that we broke up and maybe we would stop like skating. It was just clear that we were way more in love with skating together than in love with each other off the ice.
2: That's a really cool way that you put that. It sounds like a very mature perspective, even though I know that uh, (laughs) in that age time, we're not the most mature for sure. That's really cool. There were some messy moments in there. It sounds more poetic than it probably seemed in the moment. (laughs) Well, that's what makes it entertaining at the end of the day. (laughs) Provides all the memories. Mm -hmm. Well, what was the timeline process of moving up in the ranks for you guys? Um, As we all know, in ice dance, it takes a really long time to kind of get to the top usually. Um, Mm -hmm. And you guys were together for basically over a decade. Um, So what
1: was it like navigating that for you guys specifically? Um, you know, I think we had a lot of raw potential at the very beginning and our first season was incredibly successful for a brand new team in ice dance. Um, right away, we were able to go to a skate America. We got named to team USA. We were, um, third at the U S championships. We went to our first, either one of our first world championships and it was a really great season. I think just the excitement of getting together fueled that a lot. And we also have to thank uh, Massimo Scali a lot for that. He was entering the team at the same time as we were. And I think he just kind of, he was so fresh off of skating. He saw the potential in us and it was like, we were entering this new project at the same time. And that season he really took us under his wing. He was doing off ice with it. Like he was going above and beyond all of the requirements to try to make us as polished and and competitive as possible. And so that kind of set us up, luckily, like right off the bat to be, you know, competing for that world spot in the U S which as you know, is incredibly challenging. And then, uh, Moss left Detroit (laughs) and we struggled a little bit. We struggled. Um, you know, little by little, you know, we were dating then we broke up. That was that year as well. And then, you know, you make the world team, anything less seems like a disappointment. And there was a good few years in that middle portion there where all of a sudden Maddie and Evan figured their stuff out and they came up on top and then here come the shibs. And then, and we just could not get our footing. It felt like for many years, we were kind of really focused on, we need to beat shibs we need to beat maddie and evan we have like those are our targets and we didn't have the tools and we didn't have the healthiest skating environment and coaching environment in order to kind of turn that question back towards us and say like okay what can you do what are the things it went a little bit more into that classic um you know you didn't you didn't skate well or it's unfair or it's because you need to lose weight or it's because whatever reason that kind of felt like it took the power out of us as a team and so we struggled uh, I guess through kind of 2015 then in 2015 we we qualified because Marilyn Charlie had stepped away so there was another spot available and we we started competing back at Worlds in 2015 but Very quickly in the stands watching Gabrielle and Guillaume win their world first world title after being 13th the year before. We were like, Oh my god, the world of ice dance has broken. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was possible last year is now completely different from this year. And moving forward, there's like it just felt like a whole new world, right? They had broken this stigma that you had to climb your way up. Mm -hmm. And we realized that we needed a little bit of that. We needed coaches who were willing to dream big. And so we moved to Montreal directly following those 2015 world championships. And I think we kind of just did like a really slow, steady climb from there. Um, Marie and Patch and, and the team in Montreal, you know, they just like reshaped us as a partnership. I think, Um, they held us accountable for our communication about how we talk to each other, about healing some of those past wounds of, of, you know, just being partners and never being taught like how to care for each other. Um, and they made us work hard. Like we needed somebody that was going to discipline us and make sure that we stayed on track and were very realistic, like stop blaming the judges, stop blaming, some other reason and and show up for yourself every day. So, we kind of made a steady a steady climb, made the 2018 Olympics, then freaked out at the Olympic games and skated just okay and missed our medal in um in the individual event and we didn't get the chance to do the team event which we were very sad about. So, I think at that point it became like, okay, we know this is our last 4 years. And our last four years, we want to dominate as much as we can, as much as our daily training um, and and also enjoy it. Like we we're for sure saying goodbye. We're not questioning it. <laughs> and so we have four years to make the most out of it in all ways. And And luckily that's what we did. And our team, especially in the last 12 months, really trusted us to just lay it all out there and make all of our own choices. And I think that was our best way to step away from the sport and also like prepare us for what was coming next and, and certainly for, for our step into coaching. That's amazing.
2: Um, the journey sounded pretty linear, honestly. I know that it wasn't necessarily at times, but
1: Oh, for sure. I I understand. I remember actually, um, and maybe you were present at this keynote speech. Maybe not. (laughs) I feel like you like, You were just like, you can just like showed up you went to the top and then you peaced out exactly maybe maybe you weren't there but i remember one time that um charlie and Merrill came and they did the keynote speech at champs camp and i remember listening and he was kind of doing that same like well there were so many hard moments and then this year we didn't have good programs and and i remember sitting in the audience like rolling my eyes because i was like guys, you like basically won or were on the podium of every event you've every do- ever done. So I don't want to hear that it was a struggle. But <laughs> I understand that from the outside perspective and, and even for me looking at it, I look back and I think, oh my gosh, I, I did so well. I was so great. But in the moment, it really feels like a struggle.
2: Definitely. Yeah. The The journey is really hard, but yeah. there's definitely always moments to appreciate and enjoy for sure, especially looking back. Mm -hmm. that's great well you're an extremely strong and powerful skater um so how did that affect like what programs and styles that you as a team chose like was there ever any like style you preferred or was it more so like you you wanted to tackle everything
1: I was interested in tackling everything um I think my the ones that for sure I know were not my specialty was a few times that they required kind of like, um, Charleston twenties, (laughs) thirties, not my jam. I like (laughs) it. I love it. Tried it. Not good at it. So, um, (laughs) I think, you know, of course, um, I look my most confident when I skate with a lot of power. I love speed. I love like the the physical f- sensation of skating with a partner, so I I don't like things that are as light. So even when I skate a waltz, and I love to skate waltz, it's maybe not the same waltz that like a Meryl Davis skates, and she looks so ethereal and light. And and I was always just someone that loved like the feeling of pushing into the ice. I think that arguably um, the favorite program of most people and when I talked to them the one that seems the most like us was from 2018 our free dance to um Beth Hart and certainly I think it made an impact because I remember I mean she was an unknown artist in skating I think and now year by year there's always at least a few people that are all of a sudden like loving Beth Hart and loving blues and I love that I was able to show maybe something some different interpretation on the ice that people connected with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like exploring all of them. I, I think that I I like the feeling of being vulnerable is is the thing that I like. So I never really wanted a performance that I didn't feel like I could just lay it all out there. So it was more about that feeling than, than like any particular type of rhythm.
2: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, my favorite program that you guys skated was definitely the Hallelujah one because- oh, first of all I love that song but just the way that you guys were able to blend like the power with the gentleness I feel like is really unique so whenever you kind of see that that speed and that softness teaming up rather than being separate um, it's just fantastic so yeah shout out what was it like to compete against Maddie and Evan in the final years because you guys were so neck and neck which I also feel like can be atypical for ice dance because I mean, in the past it was like Marilyn and Charlie and then it was like the ship's turn and then Maddie and Evan got like a championship and then you guys were just back and forth. Like it really depended on that exact day, what you guys laid down, who was going to win. Um, and that made it really interesting for the audience because it wasn't like you could go in and predict um, yeah. but what was that like as a competitor? It
1: was tough for sure. Um, you know, I, I, I think that the the biggest evolution that I took was really from facing that competition uh, against Madison and Evan, and and the fact that they joined our school. They joined our school right after we won our first championships, and I was just like, seriously, <laughs> I just got the title. Can I hold it for a couple years before they come and they learn all of our secrets? And like, I just knew how special it was to train with Marie and patch and how empowering they are. And, um, and I knew that they would improve and thrive and be, be happy in that environment. And so I knew that they would be harder to beat. And so it was hard at first. I have to credit Zach for being a little bit more like bring it on while I was like, ah, (laughs) Um, and you know, like, Was I ever happy when they beat me? No, and I can tell you that I'm sure Maddie and Evan were never happy when we beat them, Um, but we were happy for each other and especially in those final years and the trust that we built from training together, from supporting each other on the hard days and also from like being very open about how painful it was for both of us not to be part of the team event in 2018. And we were just very open with each other and said like, no matter what happens, no matter if for the next three years, one of us wins every year and we're clearly the favorite, like we want to split it. We think we both deserve to be part of it. That's the spirit of the whole thing. And so um, we were really happy to have that opportunity and, and the trust that we built as we were going into the Olympics. I think that served both of us to skate our best, not only through the team event, but, you know, we kind of decided after the team event, like, you know what this has been serving us really well we love our group chat we love being there for each other like let's keep this energy going and we really felt like we kind of were the four of us against the rest of the competition um even in our individual event and being able to tour with them at the end of the season was like you know the little cherry on top for for my career being able to walk away and spend those seven weeks with the Olympic team and Maddie and Evan and Maddie and I got our matching tattoos. And I don't know, it was, it was a really special evolution that we took over the last several years. That's really sweet, honestly. Mm
2: -hmm. And it's also just sounds like the best type of competitive rivalry because there's clearly a lot of mutual respect between you guys. So even though obviously it always like it sucks to come in second, because you guys were so back and forth, it, it was like that mutual celebration at the same time, rather than just like, there's a winner and a loser. It was like a lot of team camaraderie. Oh, love that. In Montreal, where you were training, like you said, it's it's can be hard to train with your competitors sometimes, um, just being all in the same rink. Th- there was a lot more than just Maddie and Evan there too, right? There were a lot of other ice dance teams. So how does that work particularly? Mm-hmm. Are you guys ever on the same like ice times together or does everyone kind of have their own times of day do you guys see each other's programs or do you guys kind of keep it more private and then maybe hang outside of the rink what is that like
1: yeah no I mean um I just laugh because I know that I know that people wonder and I know that sometimes people don't really believe what we say in like press conferences because it sounds like we're all like BFFs and to be honest like a lot of us are very close friends and certainly we behave at the arena, like, like very close friends um, with 25 teams or 22 teams for most of the years, the last years that I was in Montreal, like there isn't enough ice time to separate all of us for sure. So um, it was very common that we would be on the ice with Madison and Evan, on the ice with Gabrielle and Guillaume, uh, Caitlin Jean-Luc, my fiance, um, like all those top teams. And especially going through the Olympics, it became kind of like intentionally that we were training together. But um, we never really kept it secret. We might not share the very beginning, like, oh, these are our ideas for the program at the beginning of the season. But at the same time, every time we listened to music and conceptualized with the coaches, we were on our public ice with all the other people watching. So it'd be like, Oh my gosh, I saw Maddie and Evan and they were skating to, you know, Billie Eilish today. They brought in Billie Eilish. What? (laughs) So we knew as soon as anything was happening and, um, there were days that that made it hard for sure. They, you skate like crap in front of your competitor and then, or you're fighting and it's embarrassing and your competitor goes and lays down a clean program But like, what better way to be ready for competition than, than be in front of your competition every day. And, and also like it, it did teach us a lot of humility and, um, sportsmanship because like, I think it's easy as a competitor. It's like a very common mindset. Like I, I need to do everything I can. So I'm going to work harder. I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to, you know, whatever you think is the formula for success and if you aren't next to your other competitors you might actually start to believe your own bs like you might believe that you're doing way more than the other person but if you train next to them you're going to realize like maddie and evan i can tell you right now we're way better every day about doing recovery work i've like i mean they would roll and foam roll and stretch and whatever and i would go and i'd be like ah oh, ah oh, oh, like do two, two hamstrings and i'd be like i'm good <laughs> but I love boxing and maybe on the weekend I was doing a super hard boxing workout and they were taking two days off, but it all evens out. And what you see is that everybody struggles. Everybody goes through hard times. Everybody is pouring their heart and soul into it. And it kind of takes away that little sting of like losing at a competition because you realize like, okay, well, they also worked really hard and it's also a really happy moment for them. And I'll try and figure out how to be better next time. But like, it, it, it kind of puts things into reality for you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And also like, I'm sure you you know, like you watch somebody and they have a bad day and it feels like the world is going to end. Like it feels like it's the most dramatic thing that could happen. And it's like, oh my gosh. And now you look at somebody in the same shoes and you're like, why are you worried about it? It's just one competition. Seriously, go the next time and skate well and it'll be fine. And being able to see your, your competitors going through all those processes, like it's so much easier to learn. So, um, yes, we sk- skated together all the time and loved skating together all the time.
2: Yeah, that it's so fascinating for me because I've always skated alone, um, obviously with kids from the ice rink locally, but nobody internationally or nationally competitive with me in the same rink, uh, which I really liked because I liked the privacy. Um, but I do feel like it's it's really just a mental shift um, when you're in a situation where you have other competitors on the ice with you. And I also feel like when I was older, I, I started feeling like I would like to have other people on the ice with me. Um, but yeah, definitely younger me was way more like I got to stay in my lane and not like look at anybody else. But that's like more of a competitive edge thing than as I'm older, I'm like, I need some motivation. (laughs) I need somebody to draw inspiration from right now. And I'm feeling like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, And I think it's, it's an age component too, right? Like maybe at 18, I didn't want every one of my competitors in my training rank because I was still developing and I was, you know, whatever. But as you get older and you've done it for many years, you realize it's fractions of difference and it's you're all trying the same things and especially in ice dance you see so much of the same stuff over so it's cool to see like the new new generations train with us on the ice and the older generation I don't know like yeah. the memory of it in ice dance when you stay till you're 30 <laughs> it's pretty fun to have some friends along the way oh yeah oh yeah I could definitely see that
2: <laughs> all right well what are you doing now
1: Are you coaching?
2: Mm. You are coaching. I saw you standing with um Anthony and Christina actually at their uh senior B this season.
1: Yes. Love that. Tell us about tell us about what you're doing. (laughs) I've got my little banner. Whoa, so official. Um (laughs) (laughs) so yes. So I was lucky enough that um our coaching staff came to us at the end of the season and you know, to Adrian and I, and they knew that we both were interested in a future coaching. And I had worked the last two seasons of choreography with Scott Moyer on our team. And so that was our, like we trained with Scott and we already had a great relationship, but I think for him to step in and actually become one of our choreographers and work with Zachary and I, and um, have that very one-on-one creative experience, he's felt a connection with me and knew that I was very vocal that I was going to retire for sure. So he kind of started putting it in Marie France's ear that, you know, he was here in London, Ontario, where we are now, and he had come to the school where his um mother, aunt and two cousins had already kind of started something and he needed help. He was like I need other coaches to come, I need people with international experience. So Marie, France and Patrice and Jamal and Roman, all the, all the staff there approached us and said, Scott requested you guys. And if you guys are ready, I mean, it's like a big jump. And if you aren't ready to coach full-time, we understand, but any help you can provide would be great. Um, and Adrian was the first one that said like, for sure, he was going to coach all the time, full-time. And for myself, I said, let's, let's see. First, I have stars. Uh, I'll be in London anytime that I'm not doing shows, but like let's just let's just see how much I can be there. So I joined the team after stars. So that was um, end of May, early June, and it was a really fun process because most of the choreography had already been done while I was on tour. So I kind of missed out on that very fun part of the season. But it just so happened that Anthony had gotten a, a surgery last spring. Mm -hmm. so he was just returning to the ice so I was able to kind of come in at the same time as Tony was just starting to get back on and we were taking it 30 minutes at a time and we built up this um this new season together and making sure that he was healthy and then Uh, I was able to help them with their choreography. So uh, Adrian and I, along with Scott, um, made their rhythm dance of this season. And I went to Montreal and created their free dance with Marie France. Um, It was like such a cool experience. I don't know. It's like, I know that I created things with her for the last seven years in my own body but to be able to just like learn from her and, and be next to her and have her value my opinion, it was like kind of a, a pinch me moment. So um yeah, it's been great. And finally, you know, it gets so busy when you have teams. So I've been coaching full-time. There, I haven't really gone anywhere else for seminars. So I've jumped fully into the coaching shoes and looking forward. I actually leave on Sunday and, and I'll be in San Jose this week with Christina and Anthony.
0: Yeah.
1: And hopefully, hopefully some championship events. So we'll see. That's outstanding. I
2: love Christina and Anthony's free dance this season. Um, so that's awesome that you were literally working on the choreography for them. Um, Anthony is actually my younger brother's godbrother. So oh. he's basically family <laughs> to my family. Um, oh. So yeah, so always keeping tabs on Anthony, but it's, it's so cool that you're working with him uh, in Canada. So love it. Love them as a dance team. Love that you are enjoying coaching. It's, it's so awesome to be involved in the skating world's post career or like competitive career. Um, now that you have your next career starting with coaching. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, um, I, I understand that like, it's not a very common thing to, to retire and then within a few months be going to big events and going to Grand Prix. So I feel really, really lucky. And it's really cool that like, you know, all these international teams, we have teams from Italy and Azerbaijan and Canada and for all these teams to just, you know, welcome us with open arms and, and be happy, like to, you know, just start this journey together when Adrian and I are both such new and inexperienced coaches, but they're, they're, um, really lovely to work with so it's been it's been really fun
2: how has retirement from the competitive side of skating been for you you've been distracted Uh, but
1: (laughs) distracted right I've been busy I think uh the the distraction and the workload has kind of helped ease what is typically I think a relatively challenging transition I also think that you know, I had a lot of things that remained the same in my life, a lot of stability, which was that, you know, I've been with my fiance now for eight years. We've been kind of postponing the planning of our wedding because of skating and COVID and all of those (laughs) things. So, you know, we had things on the horizon. So when we retired, we knew that then following this coming June, we're going to be getting married. Um, you know, we're looking forward to very soon starting a family. So like we kind of had things in the works already, but certainly. Being, yeah, but certainly being uh, busy has kind of helped me not fall into that sadness of not doing shows, not not skating. Um, but I hope like I, I hope that Zach and I can continue doing shows uh, or at least choreography projects together in the next year's. Um, and I think, you know, the biggest transition of course is, I don't know if you had it. Cause you were a little bit younger and, but like, I think when you're an athlete, you get so used to the workload and the stress level. And I just thought like, I wasn't, I often thought I wasn't that hard of a worker. I often thought I was not in that great of shape that I wasn't that fit, I didn't do that much, that I wasn't very good. (laughs) you know, you have all those moments, you're just like, it's so normal for me to train five hours a day. So if I don't, if I train four and a half, I'm really not doing much. Yeah. And oh my gosh, I was so fit because 10 months (laughs) is a big change. All of a sudden, like the abs that I had once are no longer visible, the body's changing. I'm sore all the time. No, I'm like, it's, it's strange. So it's a, it's a definitely a transition period where you're just like used to feeling a certain way. And and now I don't feel that way. Um, So I think that's been like the hardest transition for me.
2: That's super true. I definitely also related to that. Um, I, when I took time off of skating, I, totally had so many body changes because I was young. And like that time off basically allowed my body to be like, okay, we can grow now. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was an interesting transition for sure. But as I like actually retired and, and like, I don't know, age 22 or so, so already a little bit more mature, it was definitely tough to not have the routine and the rhythm. And then, yeah, like the working out, I, I tell people all the time, I'm like used to working out four to five hours a day. Um, and so now if I can work out for half an hour, it feels like an accomplishment, but also it's so not yeah. what reality was for like 20 years of my life. So it doesn't feel like I'm doing anything. And everyone's like, just do yoga, any move, any movement, any movement's good for you. I'm like, this isn't a workout.
1: <laughs> I love yoga, but I mean, <laughs> at one point, at one point, I mean, cause I did teacher training for yoga and I know that yoga is like, I don't want to make it sound because I know, a lot of skaters will be like, oh, yoga, it's for stretching. There's really intense, very hard yoga. It's not the Fair. yoga I do, but no. <laughs> uh, but I remember like when I was doing yoga teacher training, I was like training all day long. And then I would go and I would do five, six hours of yoga per week, just like on top of my normal train. So now it's like, yeah. I do yoga and I don't break a sweat. And I'm like, well, yeah. that doesn't count. Yeah, but, Exactly. Um, you know, that's actually- exhausted. so <laughs> that's so
2: funny because I I actually that is every week um I climb with my boyfriend and he's always a way better climber than me and doing more difficult stuff but he's definitely sweating like working super hard sore the next day and I'm just like not breaking a sweat I it's no it's not stamina it's not cardio so for me it doesn't feel like a legitimate workout like. Sure, my arms might get a little sore or whatever, but it doesn't really feel like I'm doing anything. And like most people just don't get it. But I'm like, listen.
1: Have you gone through like the period of <laughs> like where you actually hurt yourself? Because like I'm kind of I'm kind of because I I would like to take like a year or two doing almost nothing, but I also made the mistake of buying a wedding gown <laughs> right after the Olympics. So like motivation. I need, I need to make sure that it's going to fit. I didn't think my body was going to change that much. Well, jokes on me. So, um, <laughs> what the problem is, is that like, I think I have a fair amount of my strength and I was used to doing stuff that now I realize was hard. So it's yeah. like, I was, I was doing a lot of like full force things or on the ice, I was trying to give our kids cardio in the summertime and we're doing like line sprints and we're doing stuff. And I'm like, well, let me jump on. I'll go with you. But I want to win because I'm like, I'm, I'm powerful. I can beat these kids. She's 14. And I like go for it. And then I hurt myself because like somehow the power, the muscle is still there. I can still lift things, but I shouldn't lift things. Yeah.
2: I feel that really hard I also like I know that I have to stretch before certain types of activity versus like when I was skating I could jump into anything at any point even though you're you're technically not supposed to I could but at this moment I know that I'm gonna pull my groin or something and I'm gonna regret it for the next like few weeks rather than like one day in skating so that's how it goes that's how it goes for sure all right. Well, my last question is if you could give skaters any one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. One piece of advice. There's too much, but maybe your favorite
2: piece of advice.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Um, It's so hard because so much of like the, the you know, experiences that I've gone through that shaped how I was able to enjoy a season. It's like, how can I expect someone to feel it if they don't experience it? Cause I had to experience it. But what I would say is that you can't don't take anybody else's story or even their advice. So I'm giving you advice about not taking advice. <laughs> don't take their advice as fact. It's another opinion and it's another way that things could go. But I think that you know, in in high performance elite sports, it's a lot of very type A people that are determined and hardworking and willing to do what they are told and follow direction and and those are all great qualities. But we're very quick or I was at least very quick to latch onto those stories of people I thought were successful and say, that that's the way it should go and I would assign certain stories. If I don't win this, it means that. If um, I didn't you know do a workout, it's I'm not as hard of a worker and so I don't deserve to win all those little things that that pop in your head and you want to compare and how many times I was like, well, I was I missed my chance to be as good as a Marilyn Charlie because I didn't win the Olympics when I was this certain age. Um, and when you get a little bit older and with experience and you let all of that go and you just make your choices and you skate your own way and you live your own story, you realize that like, it is exact, it's going to be exactly how it needs to be for you. And it's going to be different no matter how hard you try, it's going to be different from everybody else before you and everybody else after you. So, um, just trying not to replicate or not trying to take other people's uh, advice or journey as directions of how to get somewhere. It's just another insight. It's just a story and you can learn things from it, but it's not fact. I love that.
2: Wise words for sure. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It was so fun talking to you and I feel like you just gave so many amazing insights. So thank you.
0: Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform.